This is episode four, season one of Strength Agenda Radio, and I have wined and dined with kings and queens, and I've slept in alleys and dined on pork and beans. This is Strength Agenda Radio, the podcast where the strong go to get smarter. Each episode features some of the most interesting athletes and coaches in the strength world, sharing their favorite stories, expertise, biggest mistakes, and training tips. And now, here's your host, Tom Soroka. Have you guys seen the new Gatorade commercial? The one with uh, Michael Jordan, Serena Williams, Matt Ryan, all those athletes. Um, I honestly feel like this is one of their best commercials that they've come out with in a very long time. Uh, it, for those of you who haven't seen it, it talks about you know what fuels those athletes to keep on going. And like I said, this one in particular hits home really hard. And like I said, I love it. Um, the first example they talk about is Michael Jordan not making the varsity team. But... Spoiler alert, I would like to point out that he was a freshman in high school when he was cut from the varsity basketball team, so that kind of loses its gusto for me, even though I'm a Chicago fan and a big diehard MJ fan, so he's better than LeBron. Sorry, hate to say it. Anyways, back to the topic. Um, it talks about Serena Williams being on the wrong side of one of the best upsets in women's tennis. talks about J.J. Watt and how he was a walk-on at the college that he played at. And the biggest one was the most recent one. It talks about Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons and their, some say collapse, some say the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Depends on what side of the coin you're on, but his Super Bowl defeat. And that was the theme of the commercial was defeat. Defeat is what is motivating those athletes or what motivated those athletes to achieve the levels of success that they either have achieved or are in the process of achieving. Um, so that's what today's topic is going over is defeat. Defeat is a son of a, you know what, um, it burns, it sucks. There is nothing about defeat that feels good, whether it's your first defeat in a long, long time, or it's something you're accustomed to. It doesn't make it any better when it happens. Losing sucks. There's just no way to you know, there's no way to, to cut it. It just, it's not good. Um, but if you're the right type of athlete, it's going to light something inside you, light a fire inside you that you might not have known existed if it weren't for defeat. So, um, uh, defeat is something that I've dealt with quite often in my athletic career um, and my personal career, but I just have three examples of defeat that kind of, you know, and a phrase that I was given that kind of hit home for me, and hopefully it can do the same for you. Um, 2009, uh, I was uh, at Aurora University, track and field athlete, trying to qualify for my first national championships. I was coming back from a, a, an ankle injury. I ended up not qualifying. And one of my friends who was a year older than me at another school um, just saw how upset I was about not qualifying. He grabbed me, you know, grabbed me, pulled me off to the side, and he said, I get it. I understand. But I need you to do me a favor next year. Because at the time, I think I was a sophomore. I had two more years of eligibility. And he, but he, but he said, I need you to remember something when you're in the gym training, when you're out on the track, you know, running, when you're out on the field throwing, remember something for me, remember this feeling on the days you don't want to remember that feeling. I, I took that to heart. 
the next year was my best year in track. I, 2010, I qualified for indoor and outdoor nationals, ended up winning three All-Americans. It was one of those things that, you know, just really stuck with me. And if I ever saw anybody that was kind of down on their luck, I did the exact same thing. Um, 2012 American Open, fast forwarding a couple of years there. Uh, all I needed to do to secure a third place medal was hit a total. It was low entries that year. Um, not it was the year after the Olympic or it was the year of the Olympics. Not everybody came out. All I needed to do was secure a total. Bombed out in the snatch. Felt miserable. Felt horrible. But I used that feeling for the next year to on the days I didn't want to, the days I didn't want to get in the cold tub, the days I didn't want to stretch, the days I didn't want to go to the gym because it was too hot, too cold, too this, too that. I used that feeling. And the next year I ended up winning my weight class for the American Open. Um, and then the third and final example I have is the MPGL. Um, 2015, went through the entire process, the draft process, all that stuff, got to the pro day, was flat out told, you're not what we're looking for. You're like, I... The, the, the defining moment for me was the commissioner, uh, Aaron Bailey. I There was a rope climb tester at one of the pro days. I didn't do it because I couldn't do rope climbs. Walked over to hand him my scorecard with a zero. He looked at it and goes, a zero, huh? And I said, yes, sir. I said, I don't have rope climbs. Um, and I, I made a joke, something to the effect of, if your team is putting me in for rope climbs, like they're, they're not winning that race to begin with. And he just kind of laughed and looked at me and says, well, somebody doesn't want to be a pro athlete. Went back to remembering that feeling. The next year, I dedicated the entire year to doing everything. I could do rope climbs. I could do muscle-ups. I could do handstand push-ups. I could do handstand walks. I could do all this stuff better than other athletes that were my same build, shape, size, whatever. I ended up getting drafted by the New York Rhinos. So just three examples of just using defeat as fuel, as a want-to on those days where it was non-existent. Sometimes you just need to pull that from somewhere else. And... The point uh, I think of that Gatorade commercial and that I'm trying to make here is that defeat isn't always a bad thing. Being able to find some sort of a positive from a very negative situation. Now, it could be either very negative, extremely negative, or just a negative situation. But being able to pull something positive out from that is going to make you better off in the end than if you're not able to pull out anything positive. And you know, just accept the defeat and move on. Now, had I not been able to pull out something positive, I don't know how the situations would have turned out. But my point is try to find something positive, pull it out, use it as your motivation and go from there. You know, when you get told no, when you get told you're not good enough, when you get rejected, all I want you to do is just take a step back. Remember that feeling. Remember exactly where you were, how you felt, how crummy it made you feel. And let that motivate you on the days where you just simply don't want to. Let's get to the show. If you're like me, then you take pride in providing your gym and your athletes with the best of the best. Whether it be equipment, programs, products, or experiences, quality is of the utmost importance. Why wouldn't the chalk you use day in and day out for your workouts be any different? For the members at the Strength Agenda, there's only one chalk that I want aiding my athletes in their training, and that's Hand Armor Chalk. Hand Armor Chalk, the official chalk of USA Weightlifting, comes in both an antimicrobial liquid form or the traditional block form, and both options are under $10. Whether it's throwing or lifting, I really love this stuff, and I recommend you give it a try. Make sure you use the code AGENDA at checkout and get an additional 10% off your order. Go to www.handarmorchalk.com and get yours now. 
Today's guest on Strength Agenda Radio is the Jack Cambra. He is the owner of 50 Barbell and CrossFit 50 out in Oahu. Uh, I first knew slash met uh, Jack when he was posting uh, pictures of his lifters lifting in their swimsuits and it was February in Chicago and it was snowing and it was cold and I was miserable and it made me dislike the gentleman at first. But the more he started posting, the more he started talking and all that and then through hate brand goods, him and I got to know each other a little bit better. He is one of my people. So I am very happy to have Jack Canberra on this episode of Strength Agenda Radio. Jack, how's it going, bud? Good, brother. Good. Thank you for having me. What time is it over there? It is 4.30 p.m. Jeez. What's the temperature like over there right now? Um, today's cool. It's probably like 85. <laughs> it's been uh, miserable. but uh, Oh, I can only imagine. It's, it's been hot and humid here, and I can only imagine it's like 10 times worse out there by you. Yeah, high humidity. So let's just... Uh, just give, let's start from the beginning, Jack. How did you get from point A to point eight B? Just give us a little bit of bio about yourself for those who don't know who you are. If they don't know, that's their problem. But uh, just give us a little bit of your background. Like, what, How did you get started in, in, in athletics? How did you get to the point that you are? And you know, just talk about you know, CrossFit 50 and the, athlete, the type of athletes and stuff that you work with now. All right. Um, so I was first introduced to powerlifting from my father. Um, there's a gym across the street from us in our neighborhood. It was a big gym where a bunch of pro wrestlers uh, like Dom Rocco and Mr. Fuji used to train at and powerlifters like Gus Retwich and uh, um, they you know, used to train next door and a bunch of tough guys. And, you know, when it was my turn to go into football, uh, my father started training me. 13 years old, I started training. I was like 123 pounds. Uh, started lifting. That was my introduction. Never really liked the sports. I liked the lifting. So, you know, I entered my first meet back then. It was 1991 uh, when I was a little older, uh, when I was 16 or 17, I think it was. And uh, just just kept doing the lifting. Uh, lost, my, lost my best friend when he was a senior. Got away from the lifting a little bit. And, you know, go back towards it a couple years later when my father asked me, you know, why aren't you training? And I said, well, you know, it kind of reminds me of my homeboy that passed, so I don't like it too much. He was my partner. He told me, what if training saves your life? I said, what are you talking about? He's like, what if you get in a car accident? And the difference between you surviving and, and not surviving was being that you trained. So that changed my perspective on training. I kept it in my, my regimen from there on out in some kind of way, shape, or form. Got away from the lifting, got into motorcycle drag racing, uh, was a state champ there, set some records. Went away to the States, raced up in the mainland on the pro circuit in 2005. I took the 11th in AMA Pro Star. Then the economy crashed in 05, 06, and all the sponsorship money went out of racing. And I was home, and our racetrack closed. So that stuck a nail in the casket of my racing career. And I needed something to do, so I started training. I was running at first, you know, just running running my ass off, you know, started off with one mile runs, two, then it was five to eight to 10 mile runs, just, you know, obsessive. Then I was like, I need something more. So I started adding in deadlifting and trying to mix everything up, but I, I, I couldn't put the picture together how it needed to be. And then I found a CrossFit workout online uh, from my boy, Josh Akiona, CrossFit uh, 808. He was uh, at Hard Ass Fitness at the time, and I tried the workout and I could only do one round. And I was like, holy crap, if I 
and, you know, I was starting to get into submission wrestling at the time, and I just was like, if somebody's doing this and I'm not, I'm going to get my ass kicked. So I started doing CrossFit from there. I fell in love because, you know, I was missing the competition aspect from my life. But with CrossFit, I could step outside into my driveway, turn on the clock, and boom, competition every single day with nobody around. I was hooked. Um, quickly went to my level one. A few months later, uh, opened up my gym. Uh, two years after I opened up my gym, I affiliated, and that's where the beginning started of just, you know, coaching CrossFit and athletes and whatnot. Um, that's awesome. So... <clears throat> explain your gym setup because you've told me about it. I've seen the videos for those who've not seen the videos. I feel like you have one of the more unique setups for your gym. Like it, just to kind of explain where it's at, where it's located, like how you, how it came to be in its current state. All right. So when I started being that, uh, property so crazy here where you can't really buy property and renting some places out of this world, um, a small little, maybe, 4,000 square feet area in my area is 17,000 a month to rent. So Jeez. out of necessity, you know, I started working out in our driveway. So, you know, we started working out. There's cars there and things in the way. And next thing you know, the cars are moved and started clearing out more space. And then there's a rig. <laughs> it started off with the old, you know, uh, uh, plumbing pipe pull-up bars. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like a setup of those and... You know, rings hanging from rafters by my dog kennel, and the next thing you know, there's a rig, and it just grew. You know, and then we um, I came to what well, I have to explain this to explain my gym setup. So the gym mm -hmm. setup is basically in our driveway, and it's it's a uh, about it's almost one acre of land, and it has uh three living properties. I live in a studio. My sister lives in a back house that's over the garage, that's connected to my mother and my father's house. And it's like a compound where you can't really see it from the road, except for the climbing ropes in the front uh, front patio. Mm -hmm. You walk around in the back, and it's a pretty big area. So going into the back and up the driveway, we can fit about 20 guys wadding at once. Um, for powerlifting, we can get four or five stations going all at once with anywhere from you know 20 to 30 guys going at it. Uh, but the setup pretty much changed when i met laura and shane sweat from mm -hmm. sweat shop back then they didn't open up their crossfit gym back i'll say they're now yet. the owners of yeah. crossfit conjugate correct? yes crossfit conjugate they were just in that process when we met them i think it was five years ago and then you know my gym took shape started i got a monolift i got scored at all this west side equipment chains and bands and all that other stuff so although we're in a driveway and it started out just me being in a driveway and not realizing that it was a gym it's pretty much turned into what you know people have called the the baddest backyard gym in the world. I don't know if that's oh, true, but oh, no, I would agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, like the first time I, I saw the videos, um, it was it was, you were getting some a gentleman ready for a powerlifting meet, and I'm just like watching and like just like the different angles. I'm like that looks like his house back there. <laughs> I'm like that looks like that's like just a garage or something like it was just you were looking at it and you're like is he like just working out in his backyard <laughs> and then when you came to chicago uh this last spring like i started talking to you about it you're like yeah man i'm in my garage i'm in my driveway like it, it's great it's a great setup and i'm like <laughs> that's how you do it yeah I, I had no choice you know i, I yeah. couldn't go anywhere else and you know i'm um i'm kind of obsessive when i start doing something in that you know i want to learn i want to get mm -hmm. to be the best that i can be at it 
and then As they you should be. Yeah, and then then you know the equipment starts growing. Then you're like, oh man, if I put this here, we can still get the cars out, and you know yeah. it starts growing and growing. And I mean, everybody's like, you're out of your mind. Why do you have a why do you have an elite FTS uh, monolith outdoors? I'm like, because I don't have a choice. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have no choice. I can't. I can't. I don't have anywhere else to put it. So that's my next question. What do you do when it rains? Do you have like stuff in the garage or in a building that you can work out on? Or is the gym shut down when it's raining outside? No, no way. Only only when it's torrential. Only when it's like really, really bad um, yeah. for flooding. Then, you know, we kind of, um, you know, we, we, we might cancel it. But there's probably yeah. been in seven years that my gym's been open. There's probably been maybe like five rainouts. That's it. Um, we wow. just train. We just train. Um, it gets kind of funky if you're doing box squats um, and deadlifts. But what we do is we put towels down on the ground so our feet don't slide. Because if you're box squatting correct, you're going to slip into oblivion, right? Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I was just trying to think about that. Yeah, like, oh. when you're spreading the floor, you do the splits. Um, yeah. It was funny because a long time ago, Marshall Johnson, uh, elite FTS athlete, um, he was like, man, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't. They, us lifting in the rain is what has got us some recognition from the powerlifting crowd. Because oh, yeah. there was a point where the powerlifting crowd was like, CrossFit, man, this turned their noses. But, you know, we had guys lifting in briefs, powerlifting briefs, and girls in bikinis. And he seen this in the rain. And he was like, you guys you guys lift in the rain, I would slip. But our technique wasn't so good. So we weren't slipping back then. But now that we got better and we're yeah. spreading the floor correct, we got to put towels down. And if it's raining on the deadlifts, we got to cover the bar with uh, towels. Oh, and, yeah. and then, like, have somebody pull it right before you go because chalk don't work no more. So, oh, yeah. and if not, if it gets real bad, we just strap up. Yeah. We just strap up. Well, I mean, that's, oh God, I don't want to like stereotype it. I mean, that's just, you hear about all these like players that are like in the NFL that come from the islands, you know, come from Samoa, come from Hawaii, all that stuff. And they are just the toughest bunch of SOBs. And that to me seems like a perfect example of how that type of mentality, how that type of culture just grows i mean yeah. you got no other option you deal yes. with the rain or you know you don't deal with it like those are your two options so you guys choose to be like all right we're gonna go lift anyways right and right. i have seen a couple of your videos i've seen videos of like you know uh, uh stacy do uh burpees in the in the rain and stuff like that and running around and doing her snatches and all that. i remember the first time i saw her doing snatches and like inclement weather i'm like uh that's not a good idea but, right right you know obviously it's worked out she hasn't gotten hurt doing it or anything like that and then if she did get hurt it's like you know she could get hurt walking over to you know the store walking from her car and through the parking lot i mean you exactly. can hurt doing just about anything these days so exactly and i mean and if you look at it for training kids for sport which you know i like to pride my gym on being an all training for all sport gym absolutely you're not going to stop a football game if it starts raining you know no. so like for us, we had a, we were training our boys for the state championship. We lost the title, and we are training them. And, you know, at first, like, we train in the rain. I'm like, yeah, you play in the rain. And we train, you know, multiple times in the rain. And when it came to the championship game where it counted, guess what? It rained all night. Yeah. So, I mean, they were it was nothing to them. You know, they've been in the rain. They've been, you know, wet. They've been miserable and, you know, training three, four-hour sessions and just soaked and just, I mean, that's just what it is. And. And like you said, it's not because, you know, it's funny how the attention it gets on social media, like Stacia's account um, uh, on in, on Instagram, where the guys are like, oh, you're doing it for attention. It's like, no, she's not doing it for attention. She has one hour to snatch before we have a class. And yeah. if she doesn't get it done, she'll be snatching in the rain in the dark. So, I mean, 
You know what I mean? You just get it done. And I mean, we're not yeah. the only outdoor gym in Hawaii, obviously. You know, everybody... Oh, no. You're not the only outdoor gym in the world. Yeah. But. but I mean, in Hawaii, it's part of our culture. You know, dad comes home from his construction job and you got their little weight set in the backyard because mom don't want it in the house. And dad mm -hmm. goes to go lift. So the kids go lift with dad. He's not going to miss because he's been in the rain. He's been working in the rain all day anyway. So, well, I mean, that was that was the running joke here. Um, well, you've seen, you've seen the strength agenda. You've seen our gym. But... Um, when I had sold the CrossFit and we were looking for another space, if we couldn't find a space in time, you know, my wife made the joke, we have a big like two and a half car garage and she's like, we're just going to take all the matting and all the wood and the, the squats, uh, squat racks and it's going to go in the garage. <laughs> and then my, my two sports performance coaches were making jokes. They're like, yeah, we can just roll up the turf. And then when it's time for like to train the kids or whatever, we'll just roll the turf down your driveway <laughs> and uh. they'll just train out there. And I'm like, that's that's one way that's that's one way of problem solving i suppose so that'd be awesome man they gotta invite me up for one of them winter workouts <laughs> oh, oh my god that would have been brutal and my neighbor i mean my neighbors think i'm goofy as it is because i'm that guy that's outside and like you know a cutoff shirt or no shirt like mowing my grass doing stuff out in the backyard and all that and i have families because uh from the school that i teach at that live in the neighborhood as well <laughs> oh that's so like, awesome well i didn't know that how many of them live there and when um, I went to parent teacher or not parent teacher conferences, open house at the beginning of the last school year. I had a mom come up to me and she goes, Oh, did you just move in on, you know, blah, blah, blah street? I'm like, yeah, that, yeah, we just moved in like uh, about a month ago. She goes, I thought that was you. I saw out there mowing your grass with no shirt on. And I'm like, <laughs> time to put my shirt back on. Bro, you got to get the old coach bike shorts with the, the knee high white socks with red stripes. Oh, I have them. I and, have the shorts anyways. And the crop top I've, with a headband, bro. That's that's your outfit for mowing the lawn. <laughs> well, that's what we were joking around. Well, do you remember uh, Mad TV Coach Hines? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I dressed up like that for, uh, for Halloween, but like that's what the, all the um, the Ranger panties and the silkies that Matt Vincent came out with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what those all remind me of. And I said, I'll just wear those with some knee highs and we'll be good to go. <laughs> yeah, man, those so things are everything. You mentioned your football players. That was yes. one thing that kind of interested me. Um when you were talking to me when you came to uh, uh, Chicago. So um, I keep referencing that. May of this year, Chicago hosted the national championships. You brought, you know, Stacia with. Um, she took fourth in a very yes. competitive 48 kilo weight class. Um, and then you came, you guys came to the gym either the day after or a couple days after. And we started talking about your football players and your, your athletes and all that explain how you train them because you had an interesting way of describing their conditioning. Cause you said, you know, you can't tell parents they're doing CrossFit, so to speak. So just talk a little bit. You don't have to go in too much detail cause I don't want you giving out your trade secrets. No, it's all good. Just give us the, uh, like how, how do you work with your athletes and does it differ from how you work with, you know, uh, the CrossFitters versus your general population versus your power lifters? Well, that's a, I pride myself on this, and um, a lot of people will be like, oh, you can't cookie cutter, blah, 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 and that's true, but um, most of my program, not most of my program, all of my program is across the board for, for everybody. That means if you're a football player, or you're a power lifter, or you're a weightlifter, or you're my 74-year-old mom who kicks some ass in the gym, you're going to be doing the same style or type of work um, to different and varying degrees. So what we do is, and like, yeah, like you said, it's very hard, you, you know, with the bad press that CrossFit has got and everything else. I mean, we have to put this out there. CrossFit is not Zumba. You know, CrossFit mm -hmm. is not um, aerobicizing. It, it works. It works. You know, there's just been a lot of bad press on 
CrossFit, you get all these bodybuilders and these fitness guys. Oh man, you're gonna lose your gains. Well, that's funny that the top ten at the CrossFit Games could step on a damn physique stage and kick all the guys' asses. You know, I yeah. find that hilarious. And and they're stronger than them, and they can step on a powerlifting platform and probably break most state records on top of it. But yeah. um, you know, it works. It works. It's 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 life changing and it works. And I put it in my program, and I find that you know, conditioning for football is stuck in the caveman days. You know, these guys are running these kids for 220s. Tell me why a damn old lineman's got to run 220s. Yeah. There's no – what are you going to train him for, a marathon or a track meet, or you want to train him for football? You know, you want to you want a kid for a specific position, strong. Yeah, make the receivers run, and the DBs, and, you know, the running backs and whatnot. But the linemen – so the way our conditioning works is we come in and we use, you know, west side methods executed in my style – um, we box squat, and then after we box squat, we do bang the deads, wide stance, knees out, using the hamstrings. You know, you can take almost any American, unless they got some weird background, their glutes, their hamstrings are weak as fuck. That's it. That's just plain fact. Mm -hmm. um, so we work their posterior chain. You know, people don't understand. They're like, oh, why are you box squatting? What is that? Why, why are you sitting on the box? Why don't you just touch it? Why aren't your feet now? Or why are you going to squat wide? You're not even at depth. I don't even have time to go into all that baloney, but, you know, what we're doing is we're working the, the muscles that are in charge of athletic performance. When you look at an athlete, like a football player, you need to look at them as a race car. So you take a race car and you say you want it to go faster, what do you do? You add horsepower and you add, to and you add torque. But you can't just add horsepower and you add torque. You have to make sure the drivetrain can take the power that you put in it. You know, and then you need to make sure that it's geared for the type of sport it's doing. So... This exercise that we do, the powerlifting exercises, fit right into making them hit harder, jump higher, run faster. Now, when we're done with the powerlifting aspect of our training, the next hour, so that's 4 to 5, 15 to 5.30, right after that, they go into conditioning. And, yes, I use a CrossFit-style workout. Um, mm -hmm. I don't get into crazy chippers or anything wild like that. You know, Good. I mean, a max, max, max time workout we ever do is maybe once every Three months will go 20 minutes, maybe. But we live we live anywhere from 7 to 12. 7 to 12 minutes, and it's going to be usually a couplet. Once in a blue moon, a triplet, but it's usually a couplet. And it's going to be a barbell, throwing a barbell around in some matter and some kind of gymnastic movement body weight. And I like your style. Yeah, and that's where they go hard. Because, you know, I don't care who you are as a human being, unless you're a CrossFit Games athlete, if it's a 20-minute wad, and even them, if it's 20 minutes, you're going to conserve. But if you give somebody a good seven-minute wad, you know, a good imam, they're going to know how to go hard, fast and intense, quick right now. You yeah, know? It's, it's funny you bring that up because you're now the second or third person that I've talked to, especially in this podcast, you know, uh, these episodes, that has said that exact thing about the shorter, harder workouts being more beneficial than the long chippers. Um, Mark Valeni, I believe, is one of them. He quoted uh, Miranda Oldroyd saying that, like, it, the 30-, 40-minute chippers are just not necessary. That's not where you get better in terms of, like, your overall fitness or your strength or whatever you're trying to build. Like, yeah. these short, um, not anaerobic, but, like, these, these lactic threshold pieces, like, that's where that's where the magic is. That's where the money is because that's what's going to build you up. Like, you were just saying, like, intervals – or like the EMOM works or these short sprint workouts. Like that's why these athletes are able to do 
you know, three, four workouts a day is because they're doing stuff like pieces like that, that don't take that long, but they give them the most bang for their buck in the shortest amount of time. That's how they're able to, you know, build up such a big work capacity and, and, and be able to handle whatever the hell Castro pulls out of his pocket to throw at them at the games. hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, it's like the runner who trains sprints and intervals as opposed to just long, slow distance, you know? Yep. I mean, I think you should do everything if, you're, if that your sport calls for it. But, mm-hmm. you know, for what we're doing for the football, you know, or, or for my powerlifters, short and hard, short and hard, short and hard, you know? And, you know, what, what people don't also realize you get, you know, out of these movements is mobility. Mm-hmm. You know, you're working your GPP, your general, general physical preparedness. You're working your mobility. And also you're working all these new movements or your central nervous systems firing. And then what people don't realize about CrossFit is you're strengthening your tendons and ligaments. Mm-hmm. Granted, you're, 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 you're doing accessory work in a West side fashion repetition style, repetition method. And, you know, you're building what granted you're doing the movement correctly, which, you know, I pride myself on, you know, that being done seven years, we've been open. We never had not one injury in our gym, no catastrophic injuries, mm-hmm. but correctly, correct movement. I mean, I mean it's a no brainer. Right. Now, you you glossed over it. You and I were talking about this actually earlier in the week, and I, I think this is a very interesting idea, point of view, um, that's obviously working for you. Explain the, the, the purpose of conditioning for your powerlifters. I believe that for you to be your strongest, you need to touch all aspects of strength, everything. The, the better athlete you are, the stronger you your potential for strength is raised up. That's what I feel. And, you know, a lot of times you go to these meets and what you'll see is guys are entering deadlifts and they're like, man, you know, I'm so tired. I don't know if I can pull. I'm exhausted. And I'm like, my guys are ready to do backflips when it's deadlift time. They're like, oh, it's party time now. You know, somebody like Stacia, who's a very big deadlifter, She's got her second win, you know, and I always tell everybody, my guys could do three meets in one day and probably match or beat their totals in the same day. And I'll, I'll put my money where my mouth is if anybody wants to test that theory. I'm going to be glad to, you mm-hmm. know, but I mean, you know, that's that's conditioning. And we kind of touched on this in 2016. What we did was Stacia did 10 powerlifting meets in 2016 between 97 and 105 pounds. Her lowest total was 732, and her highest total was 794. Um, our average would have been higher, but we caught some crap judging. But, you know, judging is judging. You can't, yeah. can't say anything about that. But even with the judging, that's still not a big differential from the low to the high. That's I not mean, big if you look at how many women have been in the 700-pound zone for 97 and 105 for their total. Yeah. You know, that, that's, not a, you know that's not a big thing. And when she almost went into the 800-pound zone, there's – I'm not sure the exact number, but very few women have gone into the 800s at uh, 105. She's been she's been in the 800s now since, but um, 10 meets, four Oli meets, and four CrossFit competitions in one year. No injuries. Um, she sprained she strained her back a little bit in the middle of the year, and all that was was um, one part of her back was a little stronger than the other, mm-hmm. and you know she lifted through it, um, and. That shows the conditioning. We were trying to prove the conditioning, but the problem nowadays is nobody's paying attention. So we proved our point. Nobody paid attention. Nobody wants help. So, you know, we just move along. But, 
yeah, sorry to make a short question long, but the conditioning helps our my lifters to be more consistent. You mm-hmm. know, you, you might have potential to lift the weight, but if you're not in condition to be able to repeat that effort over and over mm-hmm. and over and over, then you don't actually own that strength. You know, and the most people what they do is they separate all their three lifts and they go to a powerlifting meet and then they don't realize that your squat takes away your bench and your bench takes away your deadlift. Yeah, and I I, I think that's what drew me, you know, to to seeking your help when I was looking for programming guidance because I'm a very capable individual. I understand what I need to be doing, what my body, you know, works best under, but you know as well as I do, it's hard sometimes to write for yourself because you're going to doubt it. You need somebody to bounce ideas off of. So like when you started talking about this, it made perfect sense to me because that was the one thing I never understood about weightlifters and weightlifting competitions. Um, you, I don't know if you would have experienced this in your class because the 48 kilo class is not necessarily a big group of lifters but in some of these larger weight classes like the 94s the 85s on the men's side or the 69s or the 63s or the 58s on the women's side you can be waiting got 15 minutes between attempts right and there are other, you know, if you're a very strong clean and jerker, you could be following yourself and you're doing 95 plus percent in your lifts, but you're getting less than two minutes of rest between. Like there's just both ends of the spectrum there. Right. And it never made sense to me why coaches didn't train for that sort of, you know, circumstance to yeah. come up. So like one thing that I – like my lifters – um they're, they're always like laughing about it when they go to meets. Like my whole thing is when I coach my lifters, I coach them that like the meat should not be hard. Like what we do in training should right. be way harder than anything Easy you're ever going to do in weightlifting. And you're the same way. And like we do a lot of timed work. Um, we do a lot of, you know, like uh, time under tension, stuff like that. So that like when my – like my, especially my heavier lifters, when they go to a meet and they have to follow themselves – it's not hard because we we do like on the minute work. We do every forty five yes. seconds. We'll do every you know minute thirty, um, right. every two minutes, like stuff like that. And it just as soon as you said that for the the the, the power lifters, I was just like, of course that would make perfect sense because they're on a clock too, just like the weightlifters are. So why wouldn't you train that you know sort of an energy system? So like, right. it's just I, I I I'm baffled when you said that nobody wanted nobody wanted to pay attention to that because it sounds common sense enough i mean i've even been listening to some of louis podcasts lately and he talks a lot about that like he's i mean i'll be honest i don't know how much of it is true because I've, I've never seen you know his athletes in action or the gym in action but he talks about how like they have you know 25 30 minutes to get their their squats done oh yeah but I've, go, I've seen a, a, a sorry go ahead go ahead no, no, I was just going to say, and then they just, they have a certain amount of time to get their accessory work done, and then sometimes they'll either get their, like, sled work, their GPP work, which you have replaced sled work with your, you know, your CrossFit conditioning wads and yeah. all that stuff, um, or they'll come back and get it done on a later date, but it's like those short bursts of work, like getting the most bang for your buck, more efficiency over, or, or quality over quantity in terms of work being done. Yeah, I seen a video with Louie, and it was funny. It's an old one, and they're carrying an actual round wall clock for their timer, and they're going every minute on the minute. And they had a guy with them, and I, I, he seemed like he was struggling. They wanted to break him, so they're supposed to do. I think it was twelve rounds of squats, yeah. and they got to the twelfth round, and the guy would just like you could see him like be like, "Oh, thank God we're done," 
And they're like, nope, we're going again. They end up doing 20 sets. Jeez. Just on the minute. I mean, I don't do it. I, I, I don't do it on the minute. They, they do it. They do it. They're, I mean, that's old school West Side. It's crazy. But, oh, I mean, see, that's the thing is like, I feel like not necessarily like a genius or whatever, but I feel like vindicated in the way I used to do things because when I first started doing, you know, the conjugate method, I was in college. So you don't have a ton of time to get your training done. Right. And so we would do similar stuff where we would set a clock or if we were with people, it was as soon as they were off the bar, you put your weight on and you go. Like it was just very like rapid fire, boom, 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 boom. And then, you know, when I graduated college and I was training on my own, it was the same thing. Like my wife likes to spend time with me. Well, at least I like to think she does. (laughs) And she doesn't want me in the gym for three, four hours. Right. So it's like I'm trying to get a lot of work done in like an hour and a half. I give myself about a half hour to, you know, warm up or, and cool down or whatever, but like an hour and a half is all I got to work. And that might not, that, that might sound like a lot to some people, but like when I get like what I got to do for that day from you or, you know, when I give my athletes, I'm like, holy cow, I said, I got to get moving on this stuff. So I was always doing like on the clock kind of work. And then when I met Glenn, he was a big, um, on the minute person with the clean and jerks. Like he would do it on like, um, a, a volume accumulation for, um, um, like super compensation, stuff like that, getting ready for meets. And then I met, I, I started talking to CrossFitters and they were talking about EMOM work. And I'm like, what the hell is EMOM work? And like, well, every minute on the minute. I was like, Oh, I said, I've been doing that for years kind of thing. So it's just kind of cool to see those types of, you know, modalities, like just stretch across literally right in this, just my examples, like four different, you know, sports, Yeah. but it was all applicable in the same way. And it's really cool to see you like implement the same stuff in another realm that I never even thought that it would you know be applicable. Right. And, and you know what it comes down to in the end is what we're talking about is human uh, performance. Yeah. You know, it's human performance. And like you said, you know, I, I just wanted to touch on this because you mentioned it. I find it hilarious that how many weightlifting coaches shit on imams and you're in a meet and you follow yourself a couple minutes after yourself. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you do? Like, that is – like, I mean, for us – so it's funny you mentioned it because the whole weightlifting world thinks we're nuts because I do stations weightlifting attempts like powerlifting. We yeah. take an opener low and then we sit for like – I mean, we've sat 20 minutes before. Yeah. And then we take our second, and then we take a big jump to our third. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. way we train. You know, we don't open up at a near max and go to an ultimate max. I think that's oh, absolutely geez. stupid. It's a, it's a, a good formula for bombing, which that is, you know, when you travel, when you have to spend thousands of dollars just to go to a meet from Hawaii, bombing is not something you want to do. You don't know, even not. get me started <laughs> on the picking attempts thing. Like, you and I talked about that a lot. Like, yeah. I don't understand missing your opener. Like if it's a if it's a simple like technical adjustment, okay, I'll give you that because God knows I'm wasn't a perfect lifter. My lifters weren't are, aren't perfect. Like I don't always you know pick the best attempt, but usually I can give them like a technical cue and they make the lift. Right. I never understood people opening up at lifts that they had no business putting on the bar for your first right. attempt. Well, they're opening up. Some of these guys are opening up at near hundred percent. And yeah. then hitting 100% and then hoping for a PR in their third. And it's like, not only is that foolish, but these are the same guys who are not conditioning. Mm-hmm. So now you got a guy who's not conditioning. And if you just take out your calculator and you calculate total volume for their snatches, let's say, or for a girl who's going, let's say, 150. Let's say she goes 148, 150, 150, 
two or something like that. Which oh, it's a big jump because that's like a, that's pounds, by the way. I'm sorry, I'm not speaking a kilo. But um, if you take those jumps, you take those jumps like that. You just calculate those all together. One forty-eight plus one fifty plus one, you know, fifty-four. You look at total volume just for snatches, and you got an unconditioned athlete. Now, if you took somebody and you opened them up at one thirty-seven, and then you did a one forty-eight, and then went to a fifty-four. If you added those up, when you're talking about a hundred-pound athlete. That makes a big difference on total volume for the day yeah. before you even go into clean and jerks. But I mean, I don't. What do I know? I'm just, I'm just a CrossFit coach. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it, I, I, I hear you though. I'm, I'm very much in the same boat. Like, um, it, it's another one of those vindicated things because when I, 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 how I learned how to do attempts and meet was like trial by fire. Um, I was with MDUSA and Chris Goot needed somebody to count for him at a meet i can't remember what meet it was and glenn just like looked at me and was like i need you to go count for him and i was like huh <laughs> and so i started like doing like looking at his attempts and looking at where he was sitting and all that and i came to the conclusion i'm like you should probably open somewhere around 90 percent, right give or take and but Agreed. now as i've worked with more and more athletes i'm like you know what 90 percent is just a little too low 95 percent is like a little high a little risky for my liking so let's like split the difference let's go like 92 percent and then i was talking to dave spitz at california strength um and he goes yeah that's what i everybody always opens at 92 percent." he goes i don't care how good they're feeling and i was like oh okay let's pat myself on the back a little bit for figuring that <laughs> out but but I, I, yeah i'm a big proponent of your opener should be a lift that i know you can hit like right um Today was like for some athletes was in my gym was day five and they started uh, like I, after a bunch of them finished I pretty much took like ninety two percent of whatever they hit and I wrote it down I'm like that's probably where you're gonna open at and it just it's, it's that simple but yeah right. um, I I love your approach to it I loved the text messages I was getting from you because you're <laughs> like is this what it's really like at weightlifting meets <laughs> is this real life yeah because I mean if you've never been to a weightlifting meet it can be kind of kind of catch off guard just like it was for me when I went to my first powerlifting meet to coach one of my athletes. She wanted to do it. I'd never been there before. And I was just like, oh, this is kind of different. You know, just different strokes for different folks. But totally. Totally speaking different. of Stacia, let's talk about her because I got I want one more thing I want to say about the email yeah. thing though. And this is about coaching. It's one more thing. Yeah. My whole thing for any sport and all the way across and the reason why, it, it, you know, I feel like it's so similar is this. You want to train athletes. You want to be athletic. You know, mm -hmm. for me, do, do you, Tom, would you like to be a guy who could total twenty five hundred in powerlifting, but you can't walk upstairs? No, God, no. Do you want to be the guy that you know can squat six hundred and bench five hundred, but you can't do a fucking pull up? Right. You know what I mean? Well, I, mean can't, I can't do pull ups, <laughs> but yeah, you can do a pull up. I'm just saying, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, if I had to, if you had to get over a wall, you're gonna get over a wall. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, do you want to be that person that can't even, you know, go one rung up a damn freaking uh, pegboard? I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it, you want to be an athlete. You got to be an athlete. You got to be well-rounded. And it should be about the pride in yourself as an athlete. You want to be an athlete. Everybody wants to be inspirational and a role model. Yeah. Well, be a damn athlete then. Train like an athlete. You know, you should yeah. be able to run a 5K, uh, do a powerlifting meet, do a weightlifting meet, and do whatever the hell else you want to do all within – you know, a month without having to specifically train if you're training correct. And if people think like, oh, you're not, you know, really specific and you can't be real good 
without being specific, well, then I'll tell him he can kiss my ass because, you know, look at Stacia. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. You know, because we train really generally, if you would want to say, you know what I mean? We've had people, we've had people talk shit saying, oh, Stacia disrespects the sport of powerlifting because she doesn't concentrate on it. Are you kidding me? Like, maybe you should think that what we do is the answer. Exactly. Not, not the problem. Yeah. It's really funny. You mentioned the whole be an athlete thing because I mean, you, well, you had said like you had watched a lot of my videos when I was at Cal strength, MDUSA or whatever. And at my heaviest body weight competing in the 105 plus, I was 330 pounds. Now I could clean and jerk 450 pounds, 202 kilos. I had snatched 151, which is like 334 or 332, I believe. Monster. But when my wife and I were looking at houses to buy, I was like out of breath walking up a flight of stairs. Right. And I was just like, this isn't okay. And then I got hurt. I hurt my hip. Um, which I, you, as you, you know, very well, that's plaguing me still to this day. Um, and then because I had hurt my hip, I was training around it and I ended up hurting my, or dislocating my elbow as a result because I was altering the way I was lifting and all that. And it was just one injury after another. And I'm like, screw this. I need to be more of an athlete. Like that's, I won three all Americans. I, you know, qualified for all sorts of national competitions, stuff like that. Just being athletic and strong like i need to go back to that and that's when i started doing grid stuff and i started incorporating a little bit more conditioning pieces and one thing led to another and that was part of the reason mdusa wanted you know wanted to show me the door was because they're like you're losing too much weight we don't understand why you're losing weight i was like (laughs) okay cool but then it was just the same thing. Whenever I talk to people, be like, "Oh, you know, are you losing weight? Like to be healthy?" I'm like, "No, I'm, I'm doing it to be an athlete. Like I want to be an athlete." And then you know, last year I was 250 pounds, and I was able to do muscle ups. I was able to do like sets of 20, 25 strict handstand push ups, and I can clean and jerk over 400 pounds, and I could snatch you know 300, you know, 20 pounds. Like that's what I'm talking about. That's the holy like, grail right there. Why? Why would she like, want that? that? Yeah, I was like, is that not the what you want in an athlete? But enough of that. I want to talk about you know, <laughs> Stacey a little bit because you said, like, that drives me nuts that people said she's disrespecting the, the sport because yeah. I really feel like um, when you talk about, like, when people ask me, like, what is your definition of a super athlete? Now, and I'm not just saying this because, you know, you and I are friends and you're, you're helping me with my programming and you're, you're, you know, you've helped me out tremendously with what I'm doing. But just watching her through, like, her social media, she is my definition of a super athlete. Like, I, I, I don't think there is anything you could get her into that she would suck at. I agree. I mean, you know, the, the, big, the big weird thing with coaching her is, you know, I, when I first got her, you know, she was 16 and I worked with her on snatches, you know, and I pulled her on the side and I said, you could be a fucking star. You yeah. know what I mean? I just told, I just seen it in her, you know, and what's weird is, you know, being a coach, but being a fan, like, you know, being a coach and knowing what I'm doing and knowing what she's hitting and then backing off and going, holy fucking shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, are you serious? You know I mean? And I mean, you know, it's, you know, the thing with her that I think it is also is her mind's like a steel trap. You know, and yes. and the thing is, like, um, I always tell this story. People think I'm crazy. Like, where are you going with this? Um, I was watching this this wildlife show, you know, and this uh, baby zebra, which weighed 700 pounds, 
um, walks under a tree, which you're never supposed to do because leopards sleep in trees. And there's a 165-pound leopard sleeping in the tree. So the leopard wakes up, sees the baby zebra, jumps down, breaks the zebra's neck. And this 165-pound leopard grabs this 700-pound baby zebra in its mouth and climbs it up the tree, perches it on a branch so nobody can touch it. and goes back to sleep. And then I tell everybody, the moral of the story is, you know why the leopard did that? They're like, oh, so nobody gets the food. I'm like, no, because nobody told him he couldn't. You know, nobody's ever told her she can't. Mm-hmm. They've tried. She's never listened. Mm-hmm. You know, and I never, ever tell her she can't. And I try to put her in everything. You know, everything. Um, we had a CrossFit competition where they had to swim. I think it was an 800-meter swim or something like that. And the girls never swam. She's from Hawaii. I'll tell you what. Most people from Hawaii think they can swim and they can't. Like, not put you in the open ocean, you can't touch, go swim. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're okay in the water, but they can't swim. Like, everybody thinks they can swim until it's time to swim. And, man, within three days, she was swimming 1,000 meters with just the help of my friend, uh, my friend Daniel, who's a triathlete down here. You know, we, we, we waited. We, like, waited all the way to the last minute because I didn't want her swimming to mess up her training. So we waited to the week of the competition, and then we went to the beach, like, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then, boom, she competed on Saturday. And she just... She picked it up, you know, and she was good at it. I couldn't swim with her. At first, she couldn't, you know, keep up with me, and then I couldn't swim with her because she was too fast. I had to walk down the beach, you know, yeah. to, to keep up with her. But, I mean, yeah, I, I agree that I think she's a super athlete, and I think she can pick up anything she wanted. And, I mean, we're not even – I mean, man, you know, when the time comes and she can start doing some jujitsu and whatnot, you know, grappling-wise, she's going to be a monster, man. She's going to yeah. be a monster. So, let's – brag on her a little bit what are her best totals what are your best totals because you know you compete as well and you put up some pretty you know you put up some solid numbers i mean you you can say what you want but like let's what are what are your what are your best totals in powerlifting what are her best totals in powerlifting and then i I don't know have you done a weightlifting meet no i have not i have not okay and then what is what are her best totals in a in a weightlifting meet as well just kind of just give people some numbers here so they all right so i want to speak pounds because i don't have the kilo chart open up here but um um her (laughs) she for weightlifting um her best total was at nationals and she snatched 148 and she clean and jerked 186 186 pounds at um so she was about 67 kilos in the snatch and she's about 84 kilos in the clean and jerk yeah yeah um and this is, um, we're actually ahead of time. We're not even, you know, I didn't expect us to be attacking weightlifting this soon, but we are. So we're mm-hmm. way ahead of the game for where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I've set myself in my head. Um, for powerlifting, her best deadlift at 105 is 374. Her best squat is 275. And her best bench is 171. Um, her best numbers at 97 were, um, her best total is 776, I think it was. 771. And um, that was with a, a 253 squad, a 171 bench, and a 347 dead. I think. I'm, I'm, is that what it 347? I think that's what it was. Um, the thing is, we've never. She had a spring back when we did her best total at 97. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll go. She'll go into the 800s at 97 real soon um, for her totals. Um, she's got some crazy in a multiply suit in training. She's deadlifted 400 with straps um, from the floor at 105. Um, in single ply bench, she's benched 264, which I think is the third highest bench ever at 105. At a 
97 pounds single ply. She's benched 242, which is another top top five bench Jeez. somewhere. Um, but yeah, we're gonna put it all together. Like I said, last year was kind of like um, last year was a exercise in programming maintenance. Yeah. You know, because uh, what happens is after she hit, does a meet at full straight weight, and this is why we don't do straight weight in training. But um, if anybody's listening, they can kind of derive a formula from this, but nobody will. Um, when she finishes lifting a straight weight max, um, she goes, her strength goes down for about three weeks to a month. So if you look at us, we're competing every single month. I really have to figure out how to manipulate her system. So it wasn't a strength building year in 2016 at all. So basically it was like a year off of just maintaining where she was at, mm-hmm. you know, and maintaining her strength. So right now we're back in a building phase. So we got, um, we got some good surprises to come. <laughs> for people awesome. they have no That's idea awesome. what's coming so what about you let's brag on yourself a nah, bit. i don't like to talk about me um i just recently i've been doing a couple of bench press competitions i don't really like um consider myself a lifter because i coach you know and i feel like you can't serve two masters and you know right. i've had some athletic goals but i woke up one day and i was like man you're way 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 more deadly as a coach than you are as an athlete you know what i mean mm-hmm. so uh you know i just i've made a commitment that day to just coaching and it's 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 amazing for me because if i do something i'm unhappy the second i finish it it, it could be my goal for years a lifetime goal the second i do it i'm unhappy with it because i want more you know it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 uh it's sickening it's like chasing the next high it's like uh i've never done i've never done drugs but it's like a drug addict you know what i mean you hit one weight you're like, i want the next one i want the next one i want the next one so you know for me it's really dissatisfying competing personally but when my athlete does something awesome, man, I can gloat on that for years. You know, I can, oh, I, I can, yeah. you know what I mean, brother? Like I can think back to when, you know, Stacia first pulled, you know, 347 a couple years ago at Reebok Record Breakers for the win, um, going head to head with an athlete, you know, and I can remember that moment where we just didn't know if she had it and she pulled it and just, I, I, I lived that moment over and over again. But um, recently, you know, my guys like me to compete. They, they, they feel like you build some camaraderie and sometimes you know you just do it to show the guys you can do it but i've been doing bench only because i honestly can't do a full meet and really concentrate on my guys the way they deserve mm-hmm. but for me bench pressing pff, easy money i mean it's bench press yeah. right it's, you lay down yeah. and you press so i've been doing that lately and um my last meet i did at 219 i did 386 um nothing great nothing do. nothing spectacular but uh you know, hope to go into the. I've been in the, in the fours in training. You know, I've hitting yeah. four twenty five for a double, but I just got to put it together for a meet. So I'll be, That's... I'll be doing bench worlds. We're gonna do single lift worlds this year, and I'll be doing nice. worlds with them. So hopefully, I can get Where's that, that at? San Diego. <clears throat> San Diego. Oh, cool! Very cool. All right. So, if you had one piece of advice or just a little anecdote whatever that it is for any coaches or athletes listening to this like you want to be better at what you do no matter what it is what is your go-to piece of advice for those athletes that are listening that maybe you can you know offer them that will just kind of give them that yeah this is what i'm going to do this is how i'm going to get better kind of a deal all right for coaches um if you say you have a program and you don't have an advisor or somebody helping you, and you don't know why does what, and you're just throwing things at it, stop being a fucking coach. Because you do not have the right to take some kid's future 
that could be in college and injure his knee and shit on his career when the kid could have been a millionaire playing the damn game. Get out of the game. Don't do it. Go learn first. Uh, that's what I got to say for coaches. You know, some mm -hmm. people are meant to be coaches. A lot of people want to be coaches. Know mm -hmm. what you're doing. Know why you're doing it. And I know that sounds harsh, but you can't screw up the kids, man. You can't screw up some kid's future because you want to be something, you know. Um, learn what you're doing and learn why. Why are you doing it? Why are you doing this? You know, if your kid's going to run five miles, why? You know, if they're doing sprints, why? If they're doing a sled, why? Not just because they breathe hard. Because any retard can go in the freaking backyard and make somebody go do burpees until they crap their pants. You know what I mean? Prescribing 1,000 burpees to somebody is not going to make somebody a great coach just because the guy died doing it. You know, that's foolishness. Um, for the athletes, be complete. You know, if you're a power lifter and you pull sumo, pull, pull, I mean, pull conventional. If you're a conventional puller, pull sumo. Do box squats. Do regular squats. Do free squats. Do everything. Make your body complete. Balance your body so you don't have injury. 90% of the injuries would probably go away in sports if people would balance their muscle groups. Balance their muscle groups. You know, I had a kid come here, and he's a very high recruit. He's recruited to a D1. I'm not going to mention any names. But um, he came here, and he had two knee surgeries before he was 17. And he came into my gym, and he couldn't perform an air squat. So this kid's got horribly weak hamstrings. His hips are so tight he can't even squat. Is there any wonder that his knees blew out? You know what I mean? Like these things are preventable. So as an athlete, you know, balance yourself out. And when it's time to find a coach, don't look for the bells and whistles. Don't look for the guy making you push a sled uphill with a parachute. You know what I mean? Like look for the guys that are doing real things, you know, real, real things. Um, and the biggest thing I can say is this. For athletes, attach yourself to somebody who's producing. Just because somebody can do something doesn't mean they can produce. You know, uh, that's just how it is. That's just the fact. Mike Tyson was the baddest man alive when he boxed. He's never produced anybody. You know, not saying he's trying to coach, but I'm just using it as an example. If somebody's not producing and they're repeatedly reproducing results, and I'm not saying producing world champions, I'm not saying producing record holders, I'm just seeing results. You know, like, for our program in our gym, the average we put on a female lifter's total in powerlifting, no matter their level, is 72 pounds within four to six months. It's more like three, but, you know, i got to buy myself some time sometimes. But it's 72 pounds on the total, no matter who you are. You know, that's just, that's just facts. I mean, get, get yourself some statistics like that from somebody to attach yourself to. And um, be open-minded. Be open-minded like, like how you are, like how Tom is. You know, be open-minded. Every bad dude I ever worked around or been around, um, they're open-minded to everything. They listen to everything you can say, you know. I, I got buddies like uh, Olin Krutz who played 14 years in the NFL, Chicago Bears. My favorite players of all time. <laughs> and um, he listens to everybody. And the thing is, if he can listen to everybody – you, you, nobody else can afford not to. I mean, the man is a center, and in his first year of eligibility for the Hall of Fame, he's been not nominated. Like, you're invalid. Listen, he can, everybody can. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah, I, I got nothing to add to that. That is sound advice. Anybody that doesn't listen to that, I don't, I got nothing for you.
How much time are you wasting by cobbling together a training program from free resources, or worse, based off the social media of an athlete you follow? Or are you the Lone Ranger type? You just head into the gym and hope for the best with no plan needed. I've seen these guys come into my gym, and compared to the results my athletes are getting, it was painfully obvious that the difference was simply following a planned out, tested approach. It kills me to see athletes with potential and work ethic waste their time when they could be getting even better results by simply just following a plan. That's why I created the Everyday Training Programs. Everyday Intensity is for you functional fitness athletes that need a strength program that's dynamic and will improve your barbell cycling times. Everyday Weightlifting is for those that love the snatch and the clean and jerk and want to improve their totals. And Everyday Strength is a simple but extremely effective program that incorporates squats, deadlifts, and key strength movements to build muscle and increase power. Find us on Train Heroic using the links in the show notes. But let's change the mood a little bit here. We're going to do some lightning round questions. You got some time for these? <laughs> yeah, of course. All right, let's, I'm going to give you three. You're scaring me. Oh, no, no, no. They're not that bad. <laughs> they're not that bad. All right. Um, all right. This, was, this will be a nice little easy one to do. Okay. We're all done with this interview. You go step outside into your wonderful gym, and outside laying on the floor is a lottery ticket that ends up winning you $10 million. What do you do? First thing I do is give my mom my mom and my dad some money. If that's what happened, definitely. Yeah. That would be number one. Give my family some money. What about you? What else would you do? I mean, would anything change about what you're doing right now? Me personally, um, I would set my I would set my bike up and go race again. Nice. I'll go drag nice. racing again. I'm already in the process of doing that as we speak, setting up a yeah. bike. But that would just expedite the process. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So you're driving. You know, if whether you're driving, whatever you're doing, back in the '90s, <laughs> what was your favorite jam? Oh. Back in the 90s, um, specific song? Yeah. All Eyes on Me from Tupac. Nice. I, I can dig that. I can dig that. All right. I, I, I lied. I'm going to give you another one after this one because I found two that I really like and I can't decide. How many <laughs> donuts are you capable of eating in one sitting? Oh, man. I'm not a sweet tooth. Really? No, not at all. Donuts, not, ugh, I don't know. Maybe two before I can't take it. I can't. I don't do sweets really? too much. That's no, in, that's interesting. All right, last one here. You become a pro wrestler in the WWE. <laughs> what is your wrestling name? What is your walkout song? Oh man, that's a good one. I would have to go with my race name from race days, man. The Jack Show. I would nice. say the Jack Show would be my uh, my um, my name, and I would have to go with the old school John Fitch walkout, Rusty Cage by um, Johnny Cash. Ooh, I can dig that. I, they they need a little bit more uh, old school vibe instead of all the electronics that they got going on now with the walkout music. Yeah, I can yeah. definitely dig that. All right, well, that's all I have. Um, Jack, thank you very, very much for being on this episode. Uh, you have made a tremendous impact in my training. You've been helping my throwing out tremendously. Um, anybody that is interested in working with Jack, Jack, where can they find you? Um, they can look for uh, they can look for me on Instagram. I'm fifty barbell f i f t y barbell spelled out just straight through. Um, I'm on Instagram as Jack Cambro, or they can email me at thejackshow01 at yahoo.com.
Thanks for listening to Strength Agenda Radio. Be sure to visit strengthagendaradio.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover exclusive offers and resources for our listeners. Until next time, train hard, lift heavy.